Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris and Jonathan here. And guys, we got a lot to talk about. Sixers we had a back-to-back between our last podcast and so much more. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, Lucas, uh, first game up in that back-to-back was Sixers versus Hornets. Wasn't much of a game. 121-82 Sixers. And again, similar to what we talked about one of the games last week, this one was never... Um, out of hand the Sixers always had it and MB just showed up so Chris why don't you uh go ahead with the starters yeah so like you said Joel Embiid had 38 points 13 rebounds five assists four blocks he shot 76 percent from the field and he played 29 minutes didn't play in the entire fourth quarter uh pretty good game in my opinion the kind of game that really cements his uh, MVP case which we'll talk more about um, and yeah, that's really all you need against a team like Charlotte, to be frank. Uh, you know, James had a triple-double, 11 points, 11 boards, 10 assists. That's that's a nice boost. He was 0-6 from 3, though. It wasn't the best James game. Frankly, wasn't the best Tyrese game or anything like that either. Tobias had one of his better nights lately. I know we kind of uh, made fun of him a little bit on the last podcast, but... Really good Tobias game. He had 18 points in 22 minutes on 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from deep. But yeah, I mean, like, it's this was a Joel Embiid game. That's really all there is to talk about. He he was awesome. He's been amazing lately. And Philly, this was their 7th straight win. We'll talk about their 8th straight win in a minute here. Like, it's hard hard to complain. Yeah, you definitely touched on all the points there. Maxi and Harden definitely struggled this game shooting which is surprising because, like, you don't really... I mean, like, their best perimeter defender is Kelly Oubre, who most nights doesn't really defend. Look, let's just say this about Charlotte. Their whole entire starting five, I think 
all of them would be at least on half the teams in the NBA, if not more, be reserves. So I'm not I'm not too surprised by this, to be honest. Um, yeah, like you they said, traded. Joel. Just yeah, go ahead. No, as you can say, they traded their best defender at the deadline. Oh yes, 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 they did. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, they don't have anybody. Their young big man can. They got Nick Richards starting, Kai Jones coming off the bench. They couldn't do anything against Joel. JT Thor is a power forward. Same thing with PJ Washington. Mark Williams is the best defender, but he was out with a thumb strain. So yeah, Joel just had his way. Had another MVP Not caliber to for performance. Landerous. Ty Jones had 10 points, 9 rebounds, 5 of 8 from the field, hit that beautiful hook shot over Joel. What are you talking about? Oh, for those Ty that Jones forgot. For those that forgot. They for those that forgot. They have told me not to talk about the Thunder, but I'm going to talk about Ty Jones, okay? He's <laughs> going to be great. We're like five minutes in. Okay, okay, okay. But Jonathan, Jonathan, I knew, I knew this was coming because I remember at the draft, Chris said Kai Jones and James Booknight were, were steals for the Hornets. And I necessarily didn't agree with it. I didn't disagree with him at the time. But, Chris, they drafted Mark Williams a year later. Come on. like Kai yeah. And Nick Richards has been playing mm-hmm. more minutes than him throughout the whole entire season. Kai Jones the only reason, is power forward. It'll be fine. He's not a power forward. He's, he's a center. Don't and he's take this not, away from me, Lucas. I'm correct. I, 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 oh, you know what? I'll give this to you. I Have just, faith. I, I don't. Springer is balling out in the G League. Kai Jones is going to come on strong. I'm, I retain faith in my guys. That's my. Philosophy. You know, you know, you know. The funny thing is, we actually did get a Jaden Springer showing. So let's go ahead and switch over to the bench, right, Jonathan? Yeah, Chris. Why don't you hit the bench? Yeah, Jaden Springer. Uh, one steal in seven minutes continues to be one of the best defenders on planet Earth. Uh, Next to Paul Reed, maybe, who had, had three blocks in 12 minutes. Pretty good stuff. Had 10 boards as well. Four on the offensive side of the ball. Really impressive, I think. Um, the I guess the bigger storyline is probably Shake getting 26 minutes. He's kind of worked his way back into a sort of featured role off the bench here these past few games. He was three or four from the field. Had 12 points, four boards. Pretty great game from him. And Melton had, you know, a, a pretty standard Melton game, eight points, five boards, played defense, only out there for 20 minutes. They didn't need a ton from the bench in this game. Uh, yeah, I think Shake and Paul are probably the big storylines as far as performance. Yeah, okay, you're not wrong. Paul Reed has been looking great these past two games. I have nothing but praise for him. Shake has been looking good. Melton has been solid. Niang has had an 0 of 5 from downtown and 0 of 6 from the field had two points on the game still was a plus 26 so you know he's gonna be he's a streaky shooter sometimes he's not gonna be perfect every game still would like more but i am liking what i'm seeing from daniel house this this game he was really solid had a chase down block if i remember towards the end of the game house has been good for the sixers as of late and then we had a Dwayne Dedman sh- showing. I don't like him posting up, but other than that, I mean, he's played solid. I don't think he deserves playoff minutes or anything, and we'll we'll get into that more later. But like, you know what? It's he's he's a better option than Harold. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I mean, like you know, when you're up 40 with five minutes left, it doesn't really matter who posts up or who's doing what. But yeah, I mean, as long as Paul continues to get the main backup center minutes, I'm pretty content. Like it yeah, seems like here. Doc yeah. is is. 
not really going to give Deadman a shot, which is probably the right move. Like, no offense to, to Deadman, who... And, I mean, look, having a veteran in the locker room with the 15th spot is not going to hurt anything either. I think we both agree there. Yeah, you know, I'd rather it was Isaiah Joe, but what are you going to do at this point? Uh, gosh. Oh, my. All right, cut it off. No, uh, it's not uh, even uh, no, 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 no. But he's not, he's not wrong, though. No, he's Jonathan. not, he's, he's not wrong. relevant to this team. Okay. I don't think he's wrong at all. I just saw but, that going like a few okay. more cut. If we want to talk about Isaiah Joe, though, we can. <laughs> I think I'm we talk. should talk about Isaiah Joe at some point. We definitely should bring him up at some point. <laughs> Maybe next next podcast. Next podcast, guys. We already got the the uh, you know the roster up for today. We'll we'll talk about Isaiah Joe. Those the players yeah. that the Sixers failed. That's what we'll do next okay. podcast. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's the, uh, such the, a tease. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. I'm a tease of, of Chet Holmgren today. Uh, no, no, I didn't. But let's not let's not get into the subject that you've been banned to talk about. Um, okay, and uh, yeah. So while we're on the topic of the Hornets, not the Thunder, um, <laughs> Michael Jordan is reportedly selling his majority stake. So wanted to get get your guys' opinions quick on this topic. What are your thoughts on him potentially selling? He's been the owner there for a while, and um, like his tenure and what you thought about it. Yeah, um, I mean. It- Charlotte hasn't been particularly successful with MJ as owner. They they just rehired a coach that they fired a few years ago. So it's not like they're the most promising and well-oiled uh, front office or anything like that. So maybe it's it's a positive as far as looking forward and seeing what what the new management or new ownership brings in. Uh, it seems like MJ is still going to keep minority stake if if he does sell the team. So I'm sure they'll still have like the Jordan logos on the uniforms. He'll still be involved, but yeah, I, you know, MJ is kind of a notoriously poor owner at this point. So it probably can't hurt the Hornets that much. Look, as a player, MJ was one of the most dominant players, the GOAT, the best of all times. I don't think anybody's going to, I mean, people might say LeBron, but in terms of like greatest of all times, you certainly up there, if not the greatest, I don't think anybody's going to argue that as a, Shoe mogul, he's been one of the best, at, you know, creating a multi-million dollar, uh, you know, brand, and he's been able to assert that. But as an NBA owner, and anything involving the NBA where he's not playing, he hasn't been great. When he was the GM, no, 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 just hear me out. Look, when he was the GM of the Wizards, they got Kwame Brown. He ruined Con- Kwame Brown before he even got started. Destroy, you know, you hear things about. You know, he he braided him in practice and everything. Like, he was not a good GM of the Wizards. He came out of retirement to, p- to play for them. And, you know, we all know how that went. That And then he became the, you know, owner of the Hornets. Since then, he's blown multiple first-round picks, especially in the top ten, going for the likes of Cody Zeller, Bismack Biombo. Um, I'm thinking of another guy here. Frank Kaminsky. Like he, um, who's the guy that he got with the fourth pick? I can't remember. But my point here is that he, he's blown for multiple first round picks. He had Shea Gilgis Alexander, then traded him for Miles Bridges. Okay, and while uh, Miles Bridges, uh, yeah, while Miles Bridges has not been a bad player, he's clearly had a lot of off the court issues. And part of the reason Chris, you know, hinted towards that is that Michael Jordan, as an owner runs it more like a family business in the fact that he only brings in people that he trusts. 
And while that might be good for him, it might, it's not going to optimize, you know, the business aspect of the, of the Hornets. And we can see that. And I think it's, I'm glad that he's keeping a minority uh, stake, but overall I, I think it's good for the NBA that he's selling it. Cause the Hornets have been a dumpster fire guys. Let's be real. Yeah. I think there was some article I read that was showing like all his first round picks and how almost like the majority of them don't get second contracts with the team. Yeah. Absolutely. Ty Jones is here to break the mold, folks. I mean, LaMelo Ball is, is breaking the mold, not, not Ty yeah. Jones. Oh, please. So okay. let's uh, switch to the other game that Chris was talking about, eight-game win streak. Sixers beat the Indiana Pacers. Again, not great quality of competition, but it's good to see the Sixers aren't really playing down to that level. They won 141-121. Uh, we were without two starters. P.J. Tucker and James Harden didn't play in this game. So, Lucas, what were your thoughts on the new look starters this game? So it was, you know, we all knew DeAnthony was going to start and Jada uh, McDaniels came back. So I think we all expected him to start. But in a surprising turn, Doc went with Daniel House. House played 19 minutes, had three points uh, and a rebound and a turnover and a foul, but, but was plus 15. Um, outside of that, Joel and Maxi doubled up on 31 points each and seven assists each. Joel had two blocks. Maxi had uh, Joel had two blocks and seven rebounds. Maxi had two rebounds and one steal. Uh, Melton actually had the highest plus minus. He had fourteen with six steals. Six steals, guys. That's crazy, especially against a backcourt that I mean is pretty pretty good. I mean, yeah. I mean, outside they weren't did they didn't have Halliburton, but you know Nem Nemhard. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's been a really good rookie for him, and Buddy Heel's no joke either. So, like, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Nimhard and, and TJ are not really turnover machines, so it's impressive on a mountain's part to make that happen. He's He's been a pretty special defender all year. I, I think his value has diminished somewhat in the second half of the season, but he can still have those games where he really turns the tide in Philly's direction. Um and yeah, I, I think maybe the house start was more of an an injury related thing as far as McDaniels go. You know, it's his first game back and only played fifteen. Yeah, minutes. that's fair. That's fair. Um but yeah, I mean House has has been pretty good lately. He's definitely scrapping his way back into the mix. And again, Joel played twenty nine minutes, didn't really have to play in the fourth quarter. He had thirty one points, seven dimes, seven rebounds, two blocks, hit sixty seven percent of his shots in three quarters. Like that's just awesome, awesome stuff. Tyrese had 31, like you said, Lucas, with seven assists, hit five threes. Anytime you can rest your guys down the stretch of a game that James Harden doesn't play is is a pretty impressive win. The Pacers, like you said, are not very good. They've certainly fallen off here of late, but they're not the worst team in the NBA, and that's a team that, that has shown that they can hang with Philly in games in the past. So this is a really impressive win, and... Again, a lot of it just comes down to Joel being freaking awesome. So he deserves all the credit in the world. And another really good Tobias game. Yeah, 24 points, five rebounds, four assists. Sorry. Yeah, so Tobias has been stepping it up since the uh, Tobias Harris is still playing basketball for the Philadelphia 76ers pod. And (laughs) he deserves credit for that. Absolutely. Yeah, Lucas, so what about the bench? 
I mean, it, you're always going to do well when you have, uh, you know, four guys, two of which score double digit uh, points in Yang and Reed and McDaniels and Milton had uh, seven and nine respectively. So, I mean, look, you, you have a good bench and we had another Jaden, two Jaden Springer sightings in a row, Chris. I know you're just, you know, so excited about that. Yeah. Uh, best few days of my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. Paul Reed's awesome. He like continues to just be awesome. I think we should absolutely continue to note that, um, good George game. Like you said, you know, with the Charlotte game, that, like that every, every high volume shooter is going to have an off night. It's the fact that he keeps shooting them and keeps stressing out the defense that way. That's really important. So he deserves credit for not letting that deter him. Um, and shake played good minutes, 28 of them in this game. And like you said, McDaniel was only 15, almost 16 minutes in his return, but scored seven points, looked pretty good out there. And he's going to keep being a big part of this team. Yeah, look, I mean, and it's nice that Cork Miles and Deadman, they're probably your break in case of a you know emergency glass in the playoffs, but getting them a couple minutes here and there before the playoffs and these blowout victories is certainly not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Springer playing yep. uh, twice as much as Furkan in this game. Interesting. I'm not going to note how many minutes Springer got because it kind of diminishes the point, but that's fine. We're going to move on. Yeah, so the Indiana Pacers, obviously, we'll talk about them a little bit. They are currently an 11th seed just outside of the playing tournament, 32 and 39. Not really great right now, so... What are your thoughts on maybe what they need to be a legit contender or how far away they are? Well, okay, I'm looking at their roster here. And the roster's not terrible. I mean, look, you have Buddy Heald, a veteran shooter. You got Miles Turner, a solid NBA starting center. Nemhard, you got some young players in Nemhard. Um, what's his name? Uh, Matherin and, um, and Jalen uh, Smith and Jordan Nuwara who all look like they have promising futures. I don't know about Naismith. Sometimes he's hot. Like, tonight he had 25. But, like, overall, it's kind of been hit or miss for him. Um, what I think they need is, obviously, they need another perimeter star. Maybe Matherin becomes that. But I also think they need a little bit more size on the perimeter. They've been playing undersized with Naismith this whole entire season, who Naismith, by the way, is only 6'5 as a power forward. Sometimes, I mean, small forward. Sometimes he's playing power forward. Depends on who's healthy. But my point here is that they need more size and they need a like a legit small forward that's like six, 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 seven. And maybe Nawara becomes that. I mean, he's playing power forward right now. Maybe they just need more size. And I think they need a, like some, some more depth, some more two way players. And part of that is just developing their young guys currently. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a pretty well-rounded group as far as young teams go. Obviously, Halliburton missing time here has kind of tanked them down the stretch, which is probably good for them long-term because they're going to get a better draft pick. Um, but yeah, I mean, Halliburton is like a legitimate top 20, 25-ish guy already. You need those players to compete. They have one. Miles mm-hmm. yeah. Turner is a great defensive anchor and rim protector. They have plenty of shooting. Nimhard, like you said, they have other good young players. Nora, Neesmith, those are those are good, solid rotation pieces. So I agree with you, Lucas. They really are just waiting on one more guy. Matherin obviously has the potential to become him. I agree. Like you said, they probably need another kind of score first guard to, to help carry the offense next to Halliburton, who's one of the best table setters in the league. 
Um, we'll see if Matherin becomes that. Maybe, maybe not is where I'm at. He might, he might be more of like a six-man smart plug kind of guy. He might be more of a third or fourth option. We'll see. But Matherin has flashed some pretty serious shot-making talent this season, and they're going to get another top-ten pick, it looks like. So they'll have more bites at the apple in that respect. And they're going to have cap space eventually, too. Because um, they aren't they aren't paying a ton of guys a lot of money, especially once Heald's contract comes off the book. So they'll probably have some flexibility here in the near future. We'll see. Yeah, I I mean they're in a really good spot, mainly because of the Halliburton trade. So it'll be exciting to monitor their growth. Because early in the season, before the All Star break, before the Halliburton injury, they were like in the play-in. they were in the play in. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, they could still flip Buddy Heald and and Miles Turner this off season. I think Heald still has one more year on his contract, right? So you can flip them for another, you know, for more draft capital or maybe a younger player that fits. Because Turner's what, like 28 now? He doesn't fit the timeline. But, like, you know, th- there's certainly opportunity for them to grow. And I like Jalen Smith, too. I think he's a solid young big man. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's switch it back to the Sixers for the next topic. So this eight-game win streak has brought us to the two-seed. We have, yes. I think we're tied with the Celtics, but we have the tiebreaker right now. So, no, we 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 have one less in the win column. I mean, one less in the uh, yes, uh, that's right, lose loss column. That's that's how we have it right now. Yes. Okay. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, looking at the playoff lineup, obviously it'll probably be here before we know it. Chris, who do you think should be the top three bench players um, in Doc's playoff rotation? Um, I, I think the obvious two, and we've sort of talked about this in recent episodes, are Melton and McDaniels. Just on the defensive front, those are guys that you are going to rely on pretty heavily. McDaniels is versatile in various different matchups. Melton is maybe their best perimeter defender. Maybe not a stopper in the P.J. mold. I think P.J. might be a little bit more important once the playoffs arrive. But Melton's going to play a lot of big minutes guarding important players. And it's going to be a real test of his his impact on both sides of the ball. The third guy I'm thinking right now should probably be Shake. I think Mm. there's a good chance. 
Interesting. Doc is gonna, I, I think there's a good chance Doc sticks with George early in the playoffs. We'll see. Like, like as far as regular season goes, it's George, and it should be George because he's his shooting is super important. The Sixers win most of their minutes with George on the floor. Like George has been a very impactful regular season player this year, despite his recent cold spell. But I, you know, once the playoffs arrive. There, there are some valid question marks there. Shake was huge in the Miami series last year. He kind of proved his mettle on that stage. When the game slows down, it's useful to have multiple guys who can create off the bounce and kind of break a stagnant offense. Shake's that kind of player. So I, I would not be surprised if it ends up being Shake. You know, I would like to see a fair bit of Paul Reed at, in the playoffs. Maybe it should be Paul Reed, but I, I think Shake would be my pick um, for the third guy right now. So just to be clear, you have you have McDaniel's, you have Melton, and you have Shake, right? Yep. Wow, I can't believe I'm gonna be the one that says this. I think right now it's Melton, J Mac, and Paul Reed. Look, I I get the oh. idea of paying I, I as the top three guys off the bench, and I think look, I get the idea of playing PJ at the five in certain matchups. That's fine. You're not going to be able to do that in every series, especially against the the Milwaukee Bucks. That's going to take too much out of PJ. But I I think I I look I like Milton and he's going to be in my next tier of guys, which we're going to talk about here. But like I I think if you want size, which you're going to need it in most of these matchups, I, I think you want Paul Reed as that third that that third guy, that eighth guy in your rotation. Yeah, I mean I. Some of the numbers that have been posted around the internet lately about the Sixers' success with PJ at the five, you know, it's not those lineups haven't always been too great this year. So, like, I agree. I, I think Paul Reed should play in the playoffs, and we'll talk more about it. I like in principle, yeah. I agree with you. No one, no one is higher on the Paul Reed bandwagon than I am. I'm, you know, I'm all for it. But yeah, we'll definitely expand yeah. it a little here. So. It. Yeah, so next two up, Chris, obviously you had Melton, McDaniels, Milton. Uh, I'm assuming Paul Reed now, but if uh, who would be 9 and 10 in the rotation for the playoffs? Yeah, I, I, I think I'd go with Paul, obviously, for all the reasons Lucas said. I, I think just the fact that he's a center and Joel is going to play 40-plus minutes a night in the playoffs is why he would be the fourth guy. There's just not going to be a lot of playing time available, no matter how good he is, because he's giving all those minutes to Joel. That's the only reason I, I would really bump shake ahead of him. It's just positional. Okay. Um, but I, I do think Paul should be playing backup center in the playoffs, just broadly speaking. I, I think him and PJ can share the floor. I, I do not think PJ at small ball five is going to be the answer in every playoff series because Paul can switch too. Like he's mobile. He's, he's yeah, not absolutely. Just, he's not an exclusively drop coverage guy. He can survive in those matchups. We saw it last year in the playoffs. He was pretty darn good behind Joel. So, I think Paul should be getting minutes. I, I Again, I think George is going to probably start the playoffs in a position of prominence. We'll see if he can stay there. But just offensively, he does provide a whole lot of value as, as a spacer and a volume shooter. So I'd probably prioritize him a little bit over Daniel House. I frankly think there's a good chance we don't see either of those guys very often once we get into the Boston-Milwaukee tier of teams, if we get there. But um, I'd go with George and, and Paul Reed as my ninth and tenth guys. Yeah, so I also have George as my ninth guy, and then I think I have Shake. Just because, like, you know how good 
George is and how he can change the balance of game offensively is just whether or not he will be like, I don't think we're going to see a lot of George in that, in that Milwaukee matchup. Cause in the last game that we played against them, they hunted him early and often. Yeah. Um, that, that being said, I think he's the ninth guy and I got to go with Milton as my temp guy for all the reasons that you said, I think he does deserve to get playoff minutes. He's a, you know, he's proven in the past that he can play well in the playoffs it's just with the guard depth that we have already, it's going to be hard for him to get minutes unless you go small, which is possible, but I don't know how often Doc will do that. Yeah, so I think the three of us are all in agreement on the top ten, but let's say, God forbid, injuries, fatigue, something happens, who's going to be the 11th one you're going to trust? Yeah, I, I mean, again, we've kind of, I just talked about him a little bit, but Daniel House is pretty clearly the next guy in line. Um and yeah, like, can you trust, quote-unquote, Daniel House in the playoffs? I'm not sure. The offense has been pretty erratic this year. But you can trust him defensively. A lot of the times in the playoffs, as far as the bench rotation it goes, it just comes down to guys who teams can't pick on. And like you said, Lucas, teams are going to hunt George Niang pretty relentlessly. Furkan Korkmaz has been hunted many a times in the past. So I, I think House, just for his defensive reliability, is the next guy up. Um, we'll see if the offense can hold up in that kind of setting if he does play, but defensively, he, he has kind of earned that spot. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think defensively, he's he's looked fantastic the last couple games. And offensively, look, if he's if he's the Daniel House from Houston or even the guy from Utah last year, the Sixers have a pretty good 11th guy in the rotation, um, the guy that can hit open threes. Look, that's all you really need House to do offensively. If he brings anything else, awesome. But I think, and, and you know what? If the Sixers decide to go small with PJ at the five, could we see House and J Mac together on the floor at the same time? Sure, why not? But yeah, I think I think it's fair to say that House is probably the eleventh guy in the rotation right now. Yeah, and Doc, at least in recent history, has seemed to like. He used the deeper bench that at least I would have liked in the playoffs. So maybe we'll see all those guys. Um, but now back to our favorite topic, Lucas and my favorite topic, the MVP race. And Woo-hoo! I'm gonna switch I'm gonna switch these around a little bit. So Okay, that's fine. Let let's just hit it off the top that the betting odds are now in Embiid's favor. And the one I'm looking at specifically is showing the implied odds of Embiid essentially having a 49% chance to win, Jokic having a 49, Jokic 35, Giannis 21. So, Lucas, what are your thoughts on the odds switching? I mean, look, Vegas has a pretty good pulse on these awards, and we we saw it recently when when the draft day came around. Before anybody else knew about the Magic take and Boncaro, Vegas knew. And they seem to line up pretty well with the odds. So, I look, I think it's definitely favorable in Joel and his plays definitely proven that. Yeah, I mean, the narrative is definitely shifting in Joel's favor. He has a lot of the momentum right now. Denver being in a pretty severe uh, cold spell here is, is part of it, too. I mean, it is worth noting that, like, the odds in Vegas are tied to who's putting money on who, not necessarily where the voters are at. So I, you know, the most recent ESPN straw poll from Tim Bontemps. Back in February. Back in in February. Let me finish. (laughs) Okay. 77 of 100 voters 
picking Jokic. I saw somewhere, I think, that maybe we're getting another one soon, so that'll be interesting. And not maybe not a better gauge than Vegas, but maybe also a better gauge than Vegas. I still think it's probably very close. I wouldn't, like, engrave Embiid's name on the trophy yet. Giannis has a very compelling case, too, and... I, I think what if Philly can somehow pass the Bucks, I, I think that would really like cement it. Yep. If Philly yep. can pass Giannis in, in Milwaukee, then we're really cooking with Greece. I think right now it's still sort of a two horse, three horse race. That's pretty close, mm-hmm. but we'll see how the. No, I think we still have twelve games left. A lot can happen narratively in twelve games, so we we will. Yeah, see, but Charles Chris, I was going to say you you were. Right, like don't engrave as much as Lucas and I are all all on Embiid. I agree, like don't engrave his name on it because yeah, this it is changes what, like the, it changes yeah changes from week to week. The, this and this is the first time in a while that Embiid that Jokic hasn't been first. So um, it's just nice to note though for sure. Yeah, so, and look, they have games against Denver and Milwaukee coming up. If they win both those games and Joel goes off, then maybe we can get out like the engraving kit if. That's what Lucas said last games. on the last pod. That yeah. That is what I said. Yep. And if, but if the opposite is true, and Denver and Milwaukee win those games, and Philly drops in the standings as a result, then maybe we're in risky territory. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, yep. I think that's fair. Look, the NBA is what have you done for me recently. Yes, Joel won matchups against both of those teams recently, but if he botches these last two games, which I think our next subject is going to talk about how bad he wants this MVP – um, I, I, I think, I think if he, if he comes out the way that we expect him to come out and how he's been playing lately on an eight game winning streak, second seed in the East. Now, I, I don't think it's impossible that, that he yeah. comes out and shows out. No, Lucas, good, uh, good segue for sure. I mean, he said at the beginning of the season, because I wrote an article about it, that he did not care about the MVP. And I felt it was because he was. Two-time runner-up, just wasn't feeling it, probably a little annoyed. But, I mean, it does seem like he wants it. And one of the prime examples was he did not take the night off of a back-to-back, which he has historically. So, are you reading into that at all, Lucas? Absolutely. I Look, James Harden took rest. P.J. Tucker took rest. Usually in games like that, especially against a non-playoff team, there's no reason why Joel shouldn't have rested. Yeah, he came out there, and I think this is well because I, I look, look, look. No, no, just no. Listen, listen, listen to me, Chris. Okay. Just listen to me. Look, at the end of the day, did the Sixers absolutely need to win that game? Probably not. But at the same time, Joel and like, look, it just certainly helps their seeding if they do. But at the end of the night, they probably did. Did they need Joel to beat that Pacers team? Maybe not. But like. Joel coming out and not only coming out, but playing 30 minutes and dominating in three quarters. I, it's kind of hard to deny. And look, the Pacers have not been able to stop him this year, but still him dominating the way that he has, especially because that was the last time that he could get a good, decent rest. I was talking to a friend of mine who said that pretty much now he only has a day in between each game between now and the end of the season. He could have gotten two days off, but instead he decided to play. I think that's a clear indication he knows that if he took the night off, it would hurt his chances in the MVP race, especially with time missed already. So I, I think he's aware of it. I think playing the way that he did and not taking the night off certainly shows that. Yeah, I mean, look, you mentioned it. They 
do have a reason to play Joel in these games is because they're two games back from Milwaukee. Like that, if they get the one seed, that's a significantly better spot to be in than potentially facing. But the, but 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 here's the thing: I don't think they're overriding that with the rest days because Harden and Tucker rested. I mean, Joel hasn't been resting back to backs much at all this year. Like in general, that's not really been the game plan with him and. He's rested a few, not a lot, but a few. And this would have been a good time to do it if if there was ever sure. a time. But it's also they're rolling and it's an easy win and they're right behind Milwaukee. Like these are the games that they probably want to win most of all. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's probably more likely. Do I think Joel cares about MVP? Yes. He can say he doesn't all he wants. He definitely does. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, he's very clearly trending in that direction. So it'll be interesting to see how the last 12 games go. Does he get any rest in here down the stretch? We shall see. I, you know, if Milwaukee expands their lead a little bit more, I think it becomes more likely. If the Sixers are within a game down the last five, six games of the season, then I I think Joel's probably going to want to play it out. Because another part of Joel that we all know pretty well is that he does like want to win and he doesn't really like taking games off he has gotten better about accepting it as like part of the necessary preservation process ahead of the playoffs but he doesn't like taking games off he's never liked or enjoyed that part of the the season and um, philly wants the one seed i'm sure as heck they do so I, i think that's a big part of it look if you can get cleveland or uh new york in the second round yeah, no, I, I think that's fair because if you like, because it's the difference between Cleveland and New York versus Boston or you know maybe my or Brooklyn or Miami. I think you'd rather see those two teams than any of those three. Well, maybe not Brooklyn, but like Miami or Boston. Like, yeah, yeah I'd rather see Cleveland or New York. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. Like, you know, again, the Sixers cannot take the four seed for granted. Like they maybe did with the Atlanta series not so long ago, but... Atlanta was actually a fifth seed. The Knicks were the fourth sure. seed. They lost that, yeah. Sure, but yeah, you, you can't take those matchups for granted because anything can happen. Uh, abso- absolutely, absolutely. But, like, they are literally... They're going to be underdogs against Boston. So... Yeah, and here... You avoid that until the finals, the conference finals. Yeah. And if you do, ideally get to that point, whoever wins Boston-Milwaukee is going to that's going to be a long series and those two teams are going to beat each other up. So that would Absolutely. be I- the ideal path for Philly is the one. Seed. So, so here's a theory Definitely. of mine. If, we, if Here's a theory of mine. If the Sixers get the one seed, Boston and, and Milwaukee meet each other in the second round. I think, okay, so this is how I think the matchups work in my head. Milwaukee has the better team to face the Celtics than we do matchup wise. They're just a better matchup against the Celtics. That being said, we're the worst matchup for Milwaukee in the East. I think we have a better chance of beating them versus the Celtics. So, especially with the Celtics' health being iffy, I'd rather see Milwaukee in the conference finals than Boston. Um, I disagree. I, I honestly, I think Milwaukee... We've beaten Milwaukee twice, and the first time we lost to them was when we were kind of off-kilter which we haven't beat the Celtics once yet. That's true. But also, the Celtics are very much struggling right now. The Bucks are very much not. I think Milwaukee is maybe better equipped to guard Joel, just 
with Brooke and Giannis. We're better, as, we're, we're better equipped to guard Giannis than anybody else. Sure, but I trust Giannis to be a monster no matter what the matchup is, frankly, more than I do Jason Tatum. Tatum would probably have an amazing series. He's an amazing player. But he hit a pretty big wall down the stretch of last postseason. I, I think I, I think Milwaukee's the better team. I, now, do I think Boston could beat Philly? Absolutely. They, again, would be favorites in that series. I'm not saying either one is ideal. But, yeah, I mean, it's Giannis. I, I don't care if Joel's guarding him. I know Joel can. But, like, Giannis is going to get his. He's Giannis. And he's going to put Joel to work. And I don't know if that's mm-hmm. really the ideal but it's, not just, Joel. Joel it's, but, but it's not just Joel that's guarding Giannis. You have PJ and you have Paul Reed that can guard Giannis as well. I understand. But, you know, it, Giannis is a much more physical and demanding player to guard than, than you would have to face with Boston. I, I, I do think the Pokes are a better team. But, but here, here, here's, the, here's the issue. The Celtics have more players to throw at James Harden and Maxey than the, than the, than the Bucks do. Yeah, Tim Holiday is going to play 40 minutes a night. It doesn't really matter. He's better than anyone on the Celtics. God bless Marcus Smart, Derek White. They're awesome. It doesn't matter how many – the playoff rotations are going to be shortened. It's going to be James versus Drew for 40 minutes a night. That's really all it comes down to. So I don't know if that's really a valid like, part but, of it. But who's guarding Maxi then? Don't they don't know. have anybody. But if you can they, shut down the, James and Joel, I don't really know if it matters how good Maxie does because you're not, you know. Maxie not hel- helped win us a few games in Toronto last year. I think it does matter. Yeah, Toronto is not Milwaukee. But they were quite the defensive. Okay, anyway. They were, yeah. and they were a yeah. really <laughs> bad offensive team, which Milwaukee is not. Yeah. No, they're not. Fair enough. All right. Well, we got a little off topic, but it's not nearly as bad as last time. Let's go ahead and wrap this one up, guys. Now, when they face OKC in the finals. Ah! Uh, <laughs> cut, cut, cut. <laughs> uh, oh, if, you, and if you say if in the outro, you say, let's go Sixers and Thunder, I will cut. <laughs> <laughs> You've Bye. been warned, Chris. You've been Bye. warned. Fine. When we do our postseason preview in a couple weeks, and we have to talk about all the matchups, and we're talking about Denver OKC. Just be warned. When that happens, it will be unavoidable. Um, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sixers Ends podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Audible, or you can listen at our website and read our written work at thesixersense.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook as well, at Sixersense. We are also on YouTube. Follow us, subscribe there. We'll be back there shortly. And as always, go Sixers. We'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, 
or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.